0: What's up, guys? I'm Sean Lights Out Merriman, and you're listening to the Charged Up Bolt Podcast. Thanks for listening. Here's what's coming up this week
1: on the Charged Up
0: Bolt Podcast. The NFL is absolutely bonkers this season. Absolutely bonkers.
2: I, I don't think he has that kind of time. Um, it's just not how the NFL works anymore. You don't get four or five years as a coach. And you just You just don't.
1: We're here to talk about the Vikings tonight, and I'm joined by two of my great co-hosts. First is John Was Junior, Mr. Was Junior. I am here? there. I am there. Yeah, a bit of a technical issue. What what went on there? That was like uh,
0: that was like being sat, sat on the sidelines uh, at a Chargers game. What went on there?
1: <laughs> well, mate, if you're sat on the sidelines, I'd rather have you get in time than uh, than him. <laughs> John, California, how are you, my friend?
2: Uh, you know, just sitting here trying to recover uh, from this cold, trying to recover from that game. Uh, you know, it was it was a rough one. Uh, I will say the atmosphere was really good in SoFi though. There was um uh, a, a lot of a lot of Chargers fans making a lot of noise in there, so it's been one of the better games for a Charger fan, uh, like from a noise level perspective that I can that I've been to this year. So um, yeah, it was a good one at the stadium. But yeah, it was a tough loss, and you know, we just got to push forward. You know what? It's, it's, it's disappointing,
1: isn't it? It feels like your bubble's been burst. You've come off a loss. The, the Vikings have beaten us. I think we did it all acknowledge it was going to be a one-score game. We thought 24 points were mentioned routinely uh, by every single person that made a prediction, including uh, some of the, the viewers. And the Vikings are a good side. Kirk Cousins' stats were better than Justin Herbert's throughout the season and again in the game. Uh, Justin Jefferson's a man beast. Dan and and I were talking about how he's had ridiculous stats. He got over 100 yards again. Um, And they exploited our lack of depth. Uh, I had some comments that it might have been play calling. It could have been the exposure to the depth. Maybe just a bad matchup, as you said, John. Um, My initial thought on the night drops again. Unimaginative, Unimaginative play calling and... Quite frankly, I thought that uh, Gilman had a terrible game. Uh, am I off the money here? Am I wrong? Some people have said the play calling was good. It wasn't the problem. It was execution. Was which one? Which way you point the finger? I don't think you can point the finger at any
0: one sort of group of players or coaches. We spoke about this before we come on air, and we, we you know, we, we talked about the fact that no one's consistent defense is now starting to force herbert to throw short passes because mike williams has been taken out of the game and what we saw from his productivity in the first four games was it was immense we're talking about you know, a potential charges mvp there and do we sign him next season that's not happening now we've got no running game okay so we've got we've got a problem with the running game on both sides of football defense and offense um there are some positives, the fact that we've still got Derwin James healthy, the fact that Larry Roundtree scored his first touchdown. You know, Herbert, he's still learning, okay? no, Nobody's pointing the finger at Herbert. I saw some tweets on Sunday and Monday saying that somebody needs to get fired. Look, when you've got problems stopping the run, when you've got problems on the offensive line, okay, and you, you're, you're inviting pressure, you don't get into any rhythm. With the ball or without the ball, and you end up in a situation where you've got three and outs. Um, I think John, your tweet summed it up on Sunday live from the stadium, where he's saying, "Look, we, we, the, the the defense needs a break, the offense needs a break, and that they're not getting it." And the Vikings came to play, and they got the victory. The NFL is absolutely bonkers this season. Absolutely bonkers. You know the fact that. The Chiefs have been struggling. Uh, They had a massive win again on Sunday, which is disappointing because we had the command of the division and now we've sort of surrendered to them. Yes, they played a game more. Russell Wilson, I know this is not about the the Chiefs or the the Seahawks. uh, Russell Wilson getting shut out for the first time in his NFL career. This has just been a crazy, crazy season. This is a team work in progress. And I think John's emphasised this more than any of us the fact that, you know, we, we, we don't need to get too carried away. And we've got to allow Staley to bring in his own coaching methods, his own players. Look, let's not forget. Forget about everything else. Look at the last two coaches that we've had. Well, let's go back to North Turner, Mike McCoy, Anthony Lynn. It's not been great. The, the philosophy of the football team has not been great. It might take three or four years for Staley to get where he needs to be to to stop having these uh, narrow wins or narrow defeats uh, we've got to keep looking forward. we've got to keep looking positive I'm just a bit worried about what we do in the draft because there's an awful lot of gaps to fill I hope that answers your question but
2: <laughs> it answered a lot of questions I guess yeah it did really to be fair
1: go on John what's your take
2: uh I'm sorry I just how many how long did you say it might take for for Staley three or four years before we become a, a team that people take, you, you say longer. It's I, I can tell you right now, um, this team had better start performing uh, at a really high level next season or Staley won't be very long for this job. I can promise you the NFL hiring cycle is nonstop. You do not get four years to prove yourself. You get a year to kind of get yourself into the groove. You get year two where you better show some real signs of life and improvement and then year three had better be kind of like all right we we're ready to go right otherwise they're already talking about who your replacement is so um, I, I don't think he has that kind of time um, it's just not how the NFL works anymore you don't get four or five years as a coach you just you just don't it doesn't happen so he needs to he needs to be uh, he needs to get things righted faster than that and again first year year one I think we all said it coming to the season you know I tweeted this out myself it's just like hey we had expectations for this team. And we even said, you know, Hey, even after a little bit of excitement off after the free preseason and everything, we said, Hey, you know what? We think this is a fringe playoff team. We think this team can make the playoffs. We're excited. And then they go uh, off. They get a hot start. They go four and one. And now everyone's like, Oh, they're super bowl contenders, right? Oh, Oh, how, how are they not challenging for the super bowl? Right? Like, I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. This is the same team, guys. Nothing's changed, right? You know, the things, you know, they, they got a few lucky bounces. They um, had a really high success on early downs. They were very healthy early on. I think people keep forgetting that in those first four or five games, uh, they were, pre- they were ma- the majority of the team was healthy and playing, right? I mean, obviously, except for Belaga because he's just, you know, he's a waste. But... um, you know everyone else was for the most part was was healthy and ready to go so um and i think as injuries started taking their toll as you know regression to the mean right you can't expect to convert third and long and fourth down at such a high level like the chargers were like it was kind of unsustainable at that point and i think we all knew it and then it happened and you know we shouldn't be surprised i think like we all say you know winning covers everything right all the blemishes all the problems it all kind of gets swept under the rug if you get the w so i think this is just kind of these are the part of the growing pains right part of a new coaching staff and a new system and getting everyone aligned is is growing pains it's inconsistency and i think that's what we're seeing most from the chargers yeah. we're seeing inconsistent play 100%. and real contenders can play consistently well and and do their job consistently I know they don't need to play consistently like at consistent high levels right they don't need to be really really good all the time but they need to be consistently good Right. Just if they're just if they're just regularly, consistently good, they will win more than they lose. And that's how you that's how you become a really dangerous, really good team. So they just lack that right now. And I think as they kind of get everything together, um, it'll get better. Staley, again, he'll he'll be able to work with Tom Telesco after getting a full, you know, full season with the with the current personnel. And he'll be able to say, okay, look, here's where I think we need to make some changes here's how I think we should probably focus the draft, and then Tom will be, you know, tasked with making it happen. So I think, you know, what happens this coming up offseason and uh, will really dictate the future. But right now I want to talk about this game. I want to talk about where this team is. And where this team is is where we thought they were. They're a good, not great team. They have flaws, but they've also got real promise. We see it. We see it out there constantly. We see this defense lining up for a few, you know, a few plays or a few drives in a, in a row where they look like they – we're not going to give up more than 15 points that game, right? Um, you know, uh, there's positive. But we have, uh, you know, our, our kick return game is is not the best. But, hey, it looks better. We're getting positive yards out of it. So that's pretty good uh, with our penalties, <laughs> right? Our kicker, as Michael Snow mentioned, uh, our kicker does not scare us anymore. Actually, I'm like, oh, we're kicking it. Cool. Okay, that makes sense, right? Yeah, Versus, where are we kicking wonderful. it? Why are we yeah. kicking it? I don't care if it's a 20-yard field goal. Go for it. Right, like I'm not, <laughs> I'm not yelling, screaming, go for two every time because I think I oh, he'll, he'll probably make it. Um, so you know, there are improvements, there are good things out there. You know, we're seeing some players step up, uh, and we're seeing just you know we're seeing growing pains. I think we just need to level level it off, put the pitchforks away. You know, put out yeah, hundred be, cool, be cool. I, mean, I I've
0: I wrote I, re- uh, I wrote an article on the website this morning. I still believe we can win ten games a season, and look if if we only win eight or nine, that's still progression on what we saw last year and the year before. Um, because I think because Herbert is so good and he had such a good rookie season and he has played well for the most part of this season, that kind of elevates our expectations of where this team can go. And I think you're probably right, John. We're, we're trying to run before we can walk. And yeah, we all did get carried away at the beginning of the season, but we did say "Let's." there's a time to get carried away because we've suffered quite a lot in the last three or four years as Chargers fans. And if we go on a bit of a uh, a run and we start knocking teams off, we need to get excited about it because it's such a short window of opportunity, the NFL. You've got 17 regular season games. And then if you don't make that, that that's you then. You're marking time until the draft and then um, OTAs and, and, and pre-season. So I think people have to get excited. But then as I, as I tweeted out on Monday, don't start throwing stones at each other we went through all this in 2014 2015 it wasn't very nice on twitter um charges twitter has been generally positive and we need to keep it that way um we are going to have some ups and downs and that's why i think we could potentially finish 10 and 7 this season
1: well i'm looking at this team and trying to see you know most teams that are going to excel and drive themselves to the Super Bowl, you can tell, they elevate themselves above. They can always turn the turn it on. Mahomes for a few years now has been able to outscore you and just take you to that end zone and score and score again. Uh, Brady's, you know, meticulous and methodical as he marches down the field on you. There are teams that show up. We're not there yet. And we all know this. We know we're not ready. We know we're not terribly miles away. So I'm looking at this team and saying, is Herbert the real deal? Now, I want to be sort of optimistic, and I want to be realistic as well, I think is probably fair to say. you know, Is Herbert Patrick Mahomes 2.0? Probably not. Is he an above-average, very good, sometimes elite quarterback that can lead you to victory? Yes. But as we've seen the last few weeks, when you do one of a few things, when you come up against a fantastic defensive mind, they can restrict him. They can find push him into passes he doesn't want to make, uh, positions he doesn't want to be in and get us behind the eight ball. But I think the big thing is play calling. And this is the debate we opened up the show with and as we've had on Twitter. I think to make Herbert great, you have to enable him with a fantastic play calling, offensive play call. Get out there with open up the playbook. Get him launching it down the field. Let him let him throw some amazing ones. Let him get into a rhythm. And what I was disappointed most at the at the weekend uh, was that we got ahead of the chains a little bit. We sort of got three, four yards with an Eckler run on first down quite a number of times. And then we passed it twice. Low percentage passes, quick slants. We didn't make the most of our matchups. I didn't see a lot of creativity to just keep it going. So we were off often, even though we'd had a, a, a little bit of a chunk run on first down, we then wasted the opportunity and we were third and long again, I just didn't like it. I didn't like the play calling. We've gone from being overly aggressive to being a bit under, a bit, a bit cautious. And I'm like, that's not good. Um, and the big, the other big thing is, as we know, with any work in progress team, depth isn't there. So when your big players go, your, your names, the players that are informed, if they go injured, it's always about how the, the backups sort of come in and how they replace those players and we don't have that you know Campbell is better than I thought I always thought it was Jalila died 2.0 he's a lot better than I thought but he's still not even a cornerback too he's a utility rotational player um, and he was just
2: exposed against Jefferson in fairness Cornerback Quarter, ones get exposed by Justin Jefferson. Justin Jefferson is, you know, as much as we, you know, we joke about this whole like, oh, he wasn't rookie of the year kind of thing, he is an elite player. He really is, yeah, right? Is. Yeah. Well, no one, no one ever said he's not, he's not an elite player. The argument was about another thing. So I'm not going to get into that offensive rookie of the year argument again, but he is an elite player. So uh, I don't think it's very fair to say he's not a CB2 uh, when he gets burned um, consistently against Justin Jefferson. Because you know what, honestly, CB2s would generally not be covering Justin Jefferson, right? Um, You would have, you know, but who else was going to do it, right? Could but you imagine Chris? Harris- you could, could you imagine Chris George? Harris Jr.? Uh, Chris Harris Jr. is considered a cornerback too. Could you imagine him against against uh, him? He would be, get killed. He was why would you help out your quarterbacks
1: and just take away Justin Jefferson? When we beat the Bengals a few years ago, I think Mike McCoy was manager. Had such a vanilla mind. And he just said, my game plan is to take away Andre Green and beat the Bengals because she can't go elsewhere. Why don't we do that to Justin Jefferson? Why didn't we absolutely just take him out of the game, double and triple team him in the secondary, give Campbell help and make them find other targets. It was always Jefferson on third down. It was always him coming across the middle, 15 yards away from whoever he was with. Um, I just didn't think it was for Staley to say that he's this amazing defensive mind. Working, working with his defensive coordinator and the team, I haven't seen a great amount of decisive innovation that has elevated the defence. I, I thought it was quite vanilla. And the worst thing I'm going to come on to after this. Hey, Charged Up Bolts listeners, thanks for tuning in. Do you know what really sucks? Us Brits don't really get Thanksgiving. It's not a thing here. You know, you guys get amazing NFL games, you get the family round. you get the turkey, some weird sides, but we'll let you have that. But we don't get to celebrate it, it's not the same. But there is one little secret that I've been letting on that makes things better, and that's thanks to DraftKings Sportsbook, or DraftKings if you want to be a bit American. They're allowing new customers to bet just $1 on any Thanksgiving NFL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a point. It's amazing. You can play for free for millions. Now, here's the secret on how to do it. You download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use promo code TPPN. Bet just $1 on any Thanksgiving NFL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a single point. That's promo code TPPN this Thanksgiving at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Well, must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, Pennsylvania only, new customers only, and restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com forward slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. That's my secret to you. Now back to the show. Who's that dude? <laughs> yeah, boy. <laughs> Do you know what? Back to my rant. I was about to go off on one when I noticed the time, and I'm going to go off on one, and I want you to tell me if I'm not... if I, Am I over-exaggerating with this? Because I'm going to go on a rant... The last drive the game's on the line. You have to get a stop and get the ball back in Justin Herbert's hands. And you have the Vikings in third, in second and third and longs. Sorry, second and longs twice. Tw- second and 20, second and 17, twice. And you let them convert. Once on a third down, once on a fourth down. The defences I've been back and watched are really soft. Three and four rushes going to the quarterback, just getting nowhere near Cousins. And man coverage soft zone, allowing them to get 10, 15 yards for free as long as they don't get a first down at that point. And we just gave it up both times. Um, I thought it was insipid. I thought it was spineless. Where's the where's the blitz? Where's the go after the quarterback? Where is? All right, dump it off to Cook and we'll come and tackle and smash you with Derwin James. It was weak in the fourth quarter. And I do not want to go back to the days of Mike McCoy and Anthony Lynn limping over the line with pathetic weak butter defenses absolutely no faith in that defense from the defensive coordinator in the fourth quarter and I was embarrassed by it John am I over exaggerating
2: I think you are a little bit Um, I think the defense in general has been has been pretty solid and you know what we held Delvin Cook one of the best rushers in the league to 94 yards rushing and the way you do that is you you generally have to give up something somewhere else. And that was in the air. And I think this team was really queued up on stopping the run. And I think they sacrificed it in the air, which is not generally what they want to do, but that's what happened. Right. And again, there's a depth issue, right. We're talking about the fact that, you know, uh, we're, we're, we're low on players this year uh, in the, in the secondary Um, we're, we're missing some key guys, right? Nos, I think would have played a bigger role if he'd been able to play. I think that would have been big for this team. Um, him roaming around there, uh, helping out on the back end. Uh, obviously, if Michael Davis was there, I think it would be, a di- we'd be talking about a different story. Uh, I don't think there would be as much, um, as, ma- as many big plays, uh, coming out of this game. And, you know, I-, I, think it just, I, I think there is a little bit of, of a complacency that's starting to set in a little bit. I think this team is starting to get a little bit nervous. And, you know, part of it's probably just being, is a, it could be a Staley kind of being a little bit, uh, new head coach. Um, he- he's getting, um, He's getting a little bit more conservative because he just, you know, he, he he thinks he can get his team in the position to win. And yeah, th- those big those big chunk plays on third and long are killer, right? Like, you know, I, I was the one watching it live at the end of the game, and uh, you know, as soon as that third and twenty came up, and I'm like, you gotta, you gotta keep, gotta at least, you know, give up fifteen yards, fine. Right, keep it third and five, keep it third and you know, six or whatever, or fourth and five, fourth and six. You can't let it get to fourth and one, fourth and two. Cause at that point, especially important parts of the game, they're gonna go for it and they're gonna run it down your throat, most likely. Like it just it, it got it can get frustrating, but at the end of the day, that defense was also out on the field for a long time. Let's not forget that the the, the offense and special team hung them out to dry multiple times, you know. Um, and yeah, it was annoying to see some of these uh long, you know third and long conversions happening, and, and that needs to be cleaned up. I'm not I'm not giving them a pass for that. But I'm also saying that, look, you know, they looked really good on the field in the first half. I mean, this defense looked like they were going to carry the entire team, but to expect a defense to keep that rate of play for an entire game when the offense continually goes three and out, when the special teams puts them in bad positions, like it, you just can't expect that. And and honestly, there's at, at least one touchdown, if not more points than that. Um, we're a direct relation of the offense failing them and special teams failing them, and, you know, I, I don't blame them for that. So uh, to be perfectly honest, I don't I don't really blame the defense for this. Yeah, 27 points doesn't look great, uh, and, and they, they could have done better. But at the same time, I, I really think that if the offense had done better, the defense would have done better as well. So I, well, I really want to shift the blame back to the offense because I think that's really what's weighing down this team. So just to add to your take
0: on that, John, if you look at the time of possession again, the Vikings had more of the football than we did. And it goes back to this complimentary football. Now it's not a cliche. People talk about it every week. When we've got the football, we should be driving down the field, eating the clock, converting, putting six on the board. We didn't do that. We had opportunities in this game, like we do in every other game. And the fact that we were, were going three and out, turn the football over, and our defense starts getting gassed. And we've seen this quite a few times in the last three or four years of the Chargers, where, where the, the defence are playing lights out and then towards the end, they just start getting gassed. I think Jose, uh, Linval Joseph said, for him, it's almost like it's conditioning, but you don't want to be in that position too many times. And I think that's where the Chargers um, stuttered on offence. And John's right. You know, we, we, we just couldn't make those stops at the end. And I think on on your point, Bez, had those third and longs come in the first quarter, the, even the second quarter, we might have been a bit more aggressive or we might have been able to do something. I mean, don't forget as well that, that the likes of Joey Bosa came into this game with an ankle injury, you know. And you get to that point that in individuals, psychology, human instincts going to say, do you know what? I want to play next week. And I'm not saying that Joey Bosa or anyone else ducked out of of any challenges or or didn't put 100% in, but all these things creep in. It's all these things that we don't get to hear about, we don't get to see, and you've got to look at the bigger picture. Um, It's ugly. And I just wish that we had been in a position where, look, we all thought the Vikings were were, were going to come into our building, put up 24 points, all four of us, and a few (laughs) of our listeners said that. So we shouldn't be surprised to actually give up. 27, it's just disappointing that we only managed managed 20, you know. I think oh, yeah. Herbert is gonna the, the, the other thing is look, if we're sat here now at seven and two, all right, and we're all singing and jeering and like whoa, are we actually learning anything? I think I think Brandon Staley is one of those head coaches, he's gonna learn more from the defeats than the victories. That's just my take.
1: Yep. and the third quarter was massively, massive disappointing from an offensive point of view. We got ourselves into a complete mess. I, you know, Joshua Kelly came. There were two guys that really stank it up for me, and Alohi Gilman was targeted. He wasn't giving the support to his quarterbacks and coming down. He gave some easy third down completions. There was one where Chris Harris was livid, and on the offense, um, I'm afraid Joshua Kelly was put in and completely screwed up too blocks that then then absolutely ruined drives and he was almost single handedly not single handedly almost single handedly at fault for stopping those in their tracks we didn't put up the points and the Vikings got away from us so your boy who you you know John you were all singing and all dancing for Joshua Kelly last week about how he was back lost us the game in effect so it's on you uh, or, or is there something else on the offense that's not working John
2: uh, I, I don't think I was saying singing dancing that he was back. I think I was making a joke and making light of it., um, you know, obviously, none of these running backs besides Eckler is any good. Like none of them are any good. They have what I like to call elite blindness. I don't see any vision from them. I see them basically getting the ball and running in a straight line at to wherever they're supposed to be. and maybe they'll make one cut back or whatever, and that's it. But that I mean, that's about it. They don't really have anything special. You know, roundtree scores on on basically a goal line uh, run that basically all he has to do is get some steam and jump. So great. Um, pretty sure Eckler can actually could have jumped over that pile. But, you know, I'd rather see a round tree hurt himself on a jump than Eckler. So probably smart play by Lombardi there to give it to him. But, I mean, none of these running backs are any good. So uh, if you're not going to be that good at running the ball, you need to at least be good at, at helping with pass protection. Joshua Kelly has just – I mean, it was so bad. I mean, I I don't know where you go from here for him. I mean, if you can't contribute there and I haven't really seen him as a real special teams contributor, I I don't know what else to say. Like, I just don't know why, how he could be active, you know? Um, I mean, I guess just let Roundtree hold it down. At least Roundtree has some value in special teams. You know, Justin Jackson, when we get him for those, you know, three games a year, you know, he can do his (laughs) thing, Um, you know, and he's great, you know? You know, for when he's out there, Justin Jackson, I have full confidence he could be a, a, a solid running back, too. Um, but I have no confidence in him staying healthy. Um, him and Bulaga apparently have the same trainer and it doesn't go well. Uh, but, um, <laughs> anyways, I, I just don't think that that they, they have that fig- that situation figured out and you, you can roast them all, but between the blocking there, between the poor offensive line blocking, I, I don't think there is an easy fix right now. So we're just going to have to wait and see how they, how they manage around it. I think Lombardi has done his best, you know, to manage around it. And I think maybe that's what might be neutering this offense a little bit. I think he's worried about the safety of Justin Herbert. I think he's worried about just, Hey, you know what? We've seen them try to take some deep shots and some uh, on some plays where he's got, you know, multiple guys on, on deep routes. And what happens? Those are usually the plays where Herbert's getting sacked or he's running for his life or whatever. Right? Like, I mean, I don't. Yes, maybe a little bit more RPO with that, maybe a little bit more rollout, try to give him space or whatever. But like you can only do that so much. Right. I just I I just don't know. I I think the offense could be more aggressive. But I think uh, a part of that is just that, you know, what, there's not a lot of faith in the blocking in front of Herbert. So they've they've tried to really limit it by saying, hey, we're going to get the ball out quickly. We're going to get it out. You know, we're going to throw it short and we're going to get the ball out of his hands so that he doesn't have to, you know, take a bunch of punishment. Because I saw some pretty big hits on him this last weekend. I saw a few times where he was really, he really got kind of laid out and laid on. And, you know, he's a big dude, but, you know, injuries happen. And, you know, where where is this team going to be without Herbert, right? Where would they be without Herbert? It, It would not go well, I promise you. You can tell me all day long about Easton Stick or, or whatever, but... Uh, yeah, agreed. Not, not going to be... it. So, you know, I mean, maybe this is a smart play. It's They're not contenders. Maybe we just kind of go easy and just see what happens.
0: Yeah, I think, the other, you know, we've got to look at some positives as well. Storm Norton allowed two pressures last week. He only allowed one this week. So, that that's the improvement. I mean, he was giving up eight and nine pressures at points during the early parts of the season. Um, so, <laughs> I, I just think we have to take literally every quarter as it comes now it's not even it's not even a matter of taking game by game because we're so indifferent um when was the last time we actually got an interception I can't remember
2: uh week, well,
0: that's, week that's,
2: five four or five Well,
0: that's the problem we've all had to sit and think and no one could come yeah. with
2: the definitive answer it's been a few we've had more fumbles uh recoveries I would say but and again, that's, and you said, by the way, that's the other thing we talked about it the other day. Uh, you know, you asked me, hey, what could be the poor, poor tackling? We saw a lot of that poor tackling again. Guys, you know, first touch, and they're bouncing off why because they're going for the strip they're going for the ball and great to, it's great to be a ball hawk but the first guy needs to latch on and the second Correct. guy can come in and go for the ball if that's the case but you need to latch and take down your man you can't go for the ball every time because you got three guys going for the ball guess what now that that little five-yard play turned into seven eight-yard play right they're getting okay. second and short and third and short all the time why because we're giving up those extra yards after the catch and it's killer you know i saw a stat the other day actually just today talking about um how many passing yards uh each team has after the catch right kind of breaking it down passing yards after the catch and you know um the vikings are one of those teams that are way up there and you know that was probably aided by us going hey we're gonna touch him and then we're gonna let him run for a few more yards because why not why why bother tackling right (laughs) why why bother tackling him and and for whatever you know whenever you see him just let's let's let him run for a few yards see if we can knock it out and then maybe drag him down it's just it's it's bad and i get what they're trying to do but i think they need to get back to more hey let's just tackle the guy first and then we'll talk about getting turnovers How was the, uh, John, how how was
0: the, towards the end of the game, how was the um, atmosphere at the SoFi?
2: I will say it was kind of weird, especially at halftime, where at at halftime, I've never been in a stadium where both teams' fans were very uh, nervously optimistic, where both fans felt like, oh, hey, we could totally win this game, but uh, I have a bad feeling we're going to lose it. (laughs) <laughs> the Viking fans were feeling the same way. Like they it was a really weird atmosphere. Although the atmosphere in general, though, to, to to your broader point was a good atmosphere. I think everyone was excited. It started to kind of wither down towards um uh you know at certain points when there were lulls. I think it did it kind of lull a little bit, but there are definitely plenty of times, especially in the fourth quarter, uh when when things were still pretty close, uh where where it was rocking and there's a lot of charger fans. And honestly, I heard the Vikings fans try to get their skull chant going a few times. The you know, the the skull oh, that yeah, this thing. Yeah, yeah. And they didn't really get it going. Like it wasn't very loud. And, you know, may, I don't know, I didn't see the the broadcast. So I don't know if they, you know, tried to like put the mic near them and, and, and play it up like they were getting their whole skull chant going. But they never really got it going, right? Which was yeah, nice. I mean, they, it, it they just... travel. I remember when the Steelers
0: played the uh, Vikings at, at Wembley Stadium in London and we went down to the pregame shows and there was literally thousands and thousands of Vikings fans mm-hmm. see families dressed head to toe in purple with matching suitcases they're, they're fanatics and you don't expect them to have, have you know travel well and go to sofa and, and make noise but i think it's good that we're starting to get more Chargers fans through the gates but we just need to keep keep on side because i do feel that we're a, we're a franchise where we're still trying to win over the doubters um and I think if we if we keep having too many ugly games like that, there'll be a few that I want to <laughs> stay away, which is unfortunate really.
2: But look, again, I don't want to turn this into a stadium next week. Yeah, I don't want to turn this into a stadium conversation, but the Chargers are, are a top three or four team in ticket sales this year. And I, I actually expect them to be in the top ten every year moving forward. Why? Because I think there's a solid fan base in LA who wants football. Yes. It's a newer stadium for a while. Yes. And additionally, it's a premier location to go to. I was talking to, so I was tailgating and I had Vikings fans, you know, uh, around me. So, you know, we, we chit chat because by the way, Vikings fans, very nice, good Midwestern people, like salt of the earth. People really like the Vikings fans way better than the Cowboys fans way, obviously way better than Raiders fans. Uh, the Vikings fans were a, a pleasant, uh, you know, and I'd even say they were a little bit better than the Browns fans. Not that the Browns fans were bad, um, but I just felt like there was a lot of hospitality with the Vikings fans. Very nice. They shared some of their jelly beans with me, which was nice. I love jelly beans. Uh, I only ate the yellow ones, no purple ones. So there you go. Um, But, uh it, but uh, you know, I, I was talking with them and a lot of them said, Hey, you know what? Every, year you know or not every year but mostly every year every a couple years or so they would play the rams and it was a big thing for them to come out to la to see the rams or whatever when that was or the raiders right And they're like well now we've got the chargers so you know we're just gonna you know we try to make that pilgrimage to la and see the chargers because guess what you can't beat this weather they're like and, you know it's, it's it was 80 degrees sunny it was a really beautiful day and they're like it's snowing in minnesota right now don't you know yeah, I was yeah. like, yeah, I bet it is. That's awful. So uh, is th- that's the reason why you're always going to get a lot of these fan bases coming to L.A. Because one, first of all, L.A. is a major metropolitan city. And guess what? There's a lot of transplants here. A lot of people who moved for work or whatever came to Los California and said, you know what? I'm not going back to that crappy state I lived in. I'm going to stay here. Uh, so there's got a lot of a lot of those fans already there. And then you get plenty of them who want to travel to Los Angeles right? I want to travel yeah. to Southern California. I want to go to Disneyland. I want to go to a football game. Like, you know, let's talk, we talk about guys like, Hey, let's do a weekend, go to Vegas, go catch a Raider game. Right? Like it's the same thing, right? It's like, Hey, let's go for the week. Let's go for a weekend. It's, it's our big trip in this, in the winter, get out of the snow, get to socal so we're always going to have this problem but i think that the representation is every game i've been to the representation has been right around 50 percent. i really will say that like the cameras will do their best to make it look worse and i sit on the wayside by the way my tickets are like the 30 yard line on the away side behind the way bench and so i'm constantly going to seeing a lot of the opposing fans around me but there's still tons of charger fans around me and we're still clapping hands and and, and high-fiving and all that stuff so there's a great atmosphere there for chargers as really is I highly recommend ah, that's, that that's, that's great news and
1: we're looking forward to coming over yes yeah, coming guys over
2: come year. on over <laughs> uh, I'll talk to Boris I'll, I'll, I'll be like yo Broers <laughs> yo B-Man let let, let my it, people go well, well, let hopefully, my it, people it, go
0: hopefully and a lot with the Prime Minister much longer and we'll better go anyway
1: <laughs> true story uh, before we finish up one last comment I want a yes or a no would you bring back Tyron Johnson and drop Jalen Guyton
2: John oh and and drop Jalen Guyton or just bring him back well both um yes to bringing them back maybe to drop guyton i would drop neighbors i would drop pipkins i would drop uh not kelly Pickens. i would drop kelly or i I'd, I'd even drop you know i'd even drop some of our other kind of depth guys who don't really ever see the field much um to bring guyton back you know i just or not to bring, not to, bring, to leave guyton there because i think we need multiple guys who can stretch the field um drop kj hill maybe Unless he's the, and I mean, he's been okay on special teams, but I mean, just there's plenty of guys you can drop. I I, I hate to say it, like they said, bring him back, bring bring Tyron Johnson back. You can't, honestly, couldn't it be worse than what we have. So that's, the, I mean, that worst case scenario, you bring him back and nothing changes.
0: If he could carry the football <clears throat> twelve yards, and average three yards a carry, I'd bring LT back right now. You know, <laughs> eighty-two yards rushing we had Le- on Sunday.
2: Le- Le'Veon Bell just got released. Mm. I'm taking him it.
0: in with Melvin
2: Gordon that's it that's what's happening oh, I, I, no, we're, <laughs> we're already bring bring, Gordon. hashtag bring back Gordon <laughs> <laughs> flash Gordon baby flash bring back the flash amazing no. uh, guys I mean, would revolt if that happened by the way I'd, I'd be all for it but I think everyone else would revolt so I could dust guys, off my Gordon been, jersey again oh god well, got I can't even give it a goodwill won't even take it goodwill won't even take it so it's just no. sitting in the bottom of my closet
1: set, set, set fire to it done um Guys, it's been a pleasure. We're going to preview the Steelers game, which could be a nice game to bounce back on with a ridiculous yes. amount of injuries. They tied uh,
2: the Lions. A team where Anthony Lynn is a prominent coach and you tied them, <laughs> we can beat this team. Steelers no game. Pra- yeah. no Winnable pressure on the Chargers. Winnable, Winnable game. Winnable
1: game. Well, it's been a pleasure to have you all. Don't forget to like and subscribe. Thank you for tuning in. Okay. This is Rashawn Slater, first-round draft pick for the LA Chargers, and
0: you're
2: listening to the Charged Up Bulls podcast.